Thought Unchained, Episode 1. I'm your host, Shaman Omar. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This has been long awaited. This is the first episode, as I just mentioned, of many different episodes. The concept of Free Thought Unchained is pretty self-explanatory, but to be even more specific, it's the ability to just operate in an area of free thought, the ability to have mental gymnastics in a, in a world of linear thinking and group thought and uh, gang, especially nowadays, it's becoming more and more relevant. It's you know, the nature to pick sides, to choose sides, to, to find the, the people who hold the same perspective of, uh, that you do. You know, teams, this is my team and those over there, those are the others meeting someone for the first time and needing to determine if they're Democrat or Republican, find out if they're pro or against other various political subjects. You know, this, is, uh, this is, in essence, one way that they hold us back. And by they, I mean the handlers, you know, the, the powers to be. Whomever you give your power to is who I'm speaking of. Some people give all their power to the church whatever their preacher, or pope, whatever their imam or their rabbi says. Others give it to um, various newscasters. Some have their daily dose of Don Lemon on CNN or Tucker Carlson on Fox. Others look towards their, uh, the speakers in the political party that they, that, they, that they consider themselves a part of, right? They listen to their daily dose of Nancy Pelosi or their daily dose of President Trump. Either way, it's really just all about um, really just being able to determine who is it and what is it that you're giving all of your attention to. How much of what you think is your actual thought and how much of it is conditioning? You know, it's okay to pick sides on subjects, of course. We don't want to stand in a place where we don't have a a decision. We always want to have a stance on, especially the most important subjects in life, whatever moves you the most. Um, it could be abortion rights, or it could be um, uh, the military-industrial complex. It, irrelevant what the subject is, it's important and beautiful to have a stance and a position that you feel confident on. After all, that is what morals are all about, and it's important for everyone to have morals, of course. But what I'm more describing is the 
is the ability for us to be able to move into a place where we're able to actually think for ourselves, where we're able to feel very passionate about something but still be able to listen to another perspective. To be able to meet someone that we like and then hear them speak about their position on something that, that may go on, be on the antithesis of the position you stand in, but not to immediately have that energy rise where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you think this way. How could you possibly um, think this or say that? You know, it's the ability for us to be able to, to just absorb. To be able to observe, absorb, to be able to accept. After all, acceptance of another is easy when they share the same opinion of you. That's simple. To be able to accept somebody when they have an opposite opinion to something you believe. This is true acceptance, and it's very rare nowadays. So in the Free Thoughts Unchained podcast, I'm going to be able to provide lots of contrast, you know, uh, the ability to speak to many different people across both lines and f everywhere we draw lines. And in today's world, there's so many lines drawn. It's, it's a very interesting place that we live in today. It's very, very chaotic. Um, and there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. This I can promise you. The goal of Free Thought Unchained is to bring us all to a space where we can expand our consciousness on all levels, especially in the higher dimensions of understanding. From mankind, the animal of man, to the understanding of what it is to have humanity exist truly for the first time. These are the micro and macrocosms, right? The macro being the larger scale or the, the larger scale even beyond the three-dimensional reality of life itself from the physical perspective here on Earth. And to the microcosm, which could be the expression of humanity here on a societal perspective. And so this is the goal here. If I may say something that sparks something that uh, energies that, that you may not like, good. If I spark energies that you do like, good. At the end of the day, my intention is never to, to disrespect anybody. My intention is, strict, is uh, strictly just to be able to have an ability to connect and to open up the mind, to potentially open up to a new category, a new dimension of thought that may influence and impact your life in immeasurable ways. And so the notion, for example, of humanity, you know, when you see, when you open your eyes, we see different kinds of people, right? And thus the answer is the mankind. We always say mankind. And mankind is, is the animal of man, the creation in the Garden of Eden, proverbial Garden of Eden, of course. Whenever I make any references to any spiritual paths, religious paths, or anything of that nature, I'm not advocating or denying it, the existence of anything. I'm just using them for reference points. And in our Western society, um, the United States is primarily a Christian country, but there's many, if not almost nearly all, religions and spiritual paths represented here. And I'll reference all of them. The animal of man is an interesting thing because there are many kinds of man. Some look like me, some don't look like me. And it's the nature, if you've noticed many types of animals, they have a pack mentality, right? We always refer to this now as like a gang mentality. 
we look very similar, let's be a team, you know, look at them over there, they're a little bit different. We even do it when we're younger with the way people dress. How many times are we subconsciously walking and we see someone walking in a mall, not for many months, the mall, remember those places? Um, but down the street, and uh, they're wearing a specific type of outfit that may be a similar style to what you wear. You feel a little more comfortable. Maybe someone's dressed completely different. They're wearing all black like a gothic. And maybe that makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Or maybe they're dressed up, you know, like in a more hip-hop style, gangster stuff. Maybe that makes you feel comfortable or uncomfortable. It's based off of your perception of yourself. And this is kind of what we're facing right now. To mask or not to mask? This is the question. You know? Whoever said that wearing a mask makes you a good person? It's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. You know, the, the subjects in today's matter meaning the matter that we're witnessing, right, um, which is a collective societal matter, which consolidates a few different things from, from uh, social injustice, of course, racism, um, the unspoken classism. This is a very important one because this is, classism transcends uh, race, religion, creed, and age. Classism. They never mention that, do they? Um, but if you really look at the class problem, the more people are in the same boat than not. Um, we, that's concurrent when we talk about the quote elites um, and you know not even a group of a few hundred people controlling 95% of the world's wealth right but you also have like s social injustice you have police brutality we have many different subjects that bring up a specific issue and but the collective message would be the suppression of the people it doesn't matter if it's some people. It's the suppression of the people. We have to start seeing ourselves as a people. Whether you want to say we are the people of the United States, whether you want to say we're the people of humanity within the earth, we need to start somewhere. And it needs to be bigger than a group. It needs to be bigger than a class. It needs to be bigger than Republican or Democrat. It needs to be bigger than white or black. It needs to be bigger than gay or straight. It's okay to take positions with that, but it's time to elevate ourselves. You see, the media has us controlled from the perspective of they have us looking in a very small microcosm. They have us, they have us and I mean collectively. I mean collectively, us collectively. Because this ultimately, this understanding is the most important thing. We need to understand that we are only as strong as our weakest link. There's a very old saying, but it's true always. The truth is timeless. You know, the truth is timeless. In the ancient language of Avesta, which was the language of the Zoroastrian path, a beautiful path, I'll, I'll mention it many times in the future, but look it up, Zoroastrianism, Avesta, right? So the language of Avesta, they refer to truth as a, as a conscious being, so to speak, right? Truth is known as Asha, and Asha is a divinely feminine essence, right? And Asha knows no time, knows no space. Asha can transcend all time and space, all languages, because Asha is always able to be felt. You can always feel the truth, regardless of what your mind says or mind wants to think or used to think. When Asha is present, you can always feel her essence. And this is important. 
This is important. We need to start elevating our, our consciousness and get our mind out of a little box and into at least a bigger box. This is progress. Progress is always good. Progress is always good. Because they have us in a state of fear right now. The fear is the source of their power. The ultimate virus that we're facing right now is the virus of fear. Because it is so deep and so systemic that people can live their entire lives in possession of it and never truly even realize that they're sick. It can be given to the children without even trying to, and they too can pass it on to their children, and in essence to everyone around them their whole life. This is the problem. It's the fear of this, the fear of that. And this has been very dominant throughout all of the ruling societies through history. The same type of fears to put the, the, the people in society in a state of, please help me, tell us what we need to do. Most recently, we have the COVID-19 coronavirus fear. But don't forget, in 2001, we had the fear of terror. Don't forget that one. Terrorist 9-11, the attack in New York, where I am right now, it was a powerful thing. You see, it's interesting because when you have a war on terror, it's actually a genius psychology because you can always change the face of terror because terror ultimately is a human emotion. So you can never defeat a human emotion. You can't have a war on happiness and you can't ever win a war on terror because terror is just an incident of fear, usually created. It's the same way that Hitler took power in Nazi Germany. The burning down of the Reichstag building in Berlin is no different than the Twin Towers going down in New York. Not saying that the intention was the same, or the people, or places, or the things, or if the time period was the same, but the outcome of the rulers, the handlers' outcome was the same, and that was more control. Ultimately, that's what it's all about, is the control. And so, what we really need to understand is that each aspect, each different type of mankind, each different kind of man, meaning the species of mankind, is like a limb on the one collective body of humanity. And so whereas there may be more African people, right, than, than uh, people from South America, there may be more people in Nigeria than there are Indonesia. Collectively, if you were to take every single type or race, let's say, of mankind, you would be able to equate them to each different limb on a human body. And whereas we have the suppression of one of the minority groups, for example, let's say we're speaking about the, the people in Yemen right now, right, which they have a catastrophe happening right now, and we, we don't feel that here in the United States. Many people in Europe, maybe they don't feel it so much either. Maybe people in Asia, they're not even aware of it. But it does not change the connection within the collective spirit of humanity. Because even if you take the smallest population of people on the earth and you suppress them or oppress them, their pain and suffering is systemic. The smallest population of people on this earth could be equated to the smallest toe on your foot. The smallest cut on the smallest toe of your foot could eventually get diseased and could create 
a situation where the toe may have to get removed. The disease could go in, which the disease in this case would be the pain and suffering, and it could make you have to amputate if it goes un unhealed long enough, you could have to amputate the whole leg. As a matter of fact, if you have the systemic disease go deeper into the body, you may die, all from a small cut on your toe. And this is the same thing we have to understand with the collective humanity, is that we are all connected, both as a species and spiritually. The animal of man is connected in the species of mankind here upon this earth. All of our actions, good and bad, have a direct result on the on the collective earth itself, on the symbiotic experience called earth, and spiritually as well, because we will always be at war as long as we have some sort of systemic disease within us. Anytime we are uncomfortable, we know there is something happening. But the problem is, is that we don't see outside of our own dimension of existence. We are the stars of our own reality show, and thus, it's natural to think that everything we think is correct because, of course, it's right. I thought it, you know. And then we go and we look outwardly and we watch television. We watch different variations of social media to get our news. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that because this is just the, the world we live in. But the question is, who is putting that information out and why? Is it for general education or is it for specific agenda and specific agenda information utilized for specific agenda is what the word propaganda means it's just that propaganda used to always go out by larger uh, by by governments and released by different news organizations right which we always called the press but later on there was a word called the media the media is what we're dealing with now. The media transcends traditional press. Magazines, newspapers, even news channels. The media can be anything. Anyone with an internet uh, access and a website can be a, quote, media source. And the word media actually comes from the Greek goddess media, which she was the goddess of illusion, and she was the goddess of the distortion, um, which is an ironic thing. We watch television. We watch a specific channel. And a channel is a specific direct line. In, in, uh, in the esoteric practices, someone who is channeling something is channeling the information from a non-physical presence or being, whether it's a spirit. Someone says they're channeling Jesus. Someone says they're channeling God. Uh, various forms of voodoo practitioners channel in various ancestral spirits. And uh, you have other aspects of non-physical beings and information coming through the individual who is channeling, usually not in such a positive way, usually involving some form of drug or alcohol-induced situation. And when you watch the channel, what exactly are you watching at 8 p.m.? You're watching a program, and this is the whole point. The point is for you to watch and to absorb the program through the channel and thus repeat the media-projected information tomorrow when you enter your work, when you speak to your children, when you speak to your family and friends. This is slavery because most people don't realize 
that they're enslaved. How often do you question the source of information in which you believe? We've all been taught to believe things, but how many of us were taught to question the belief? It's safe to say not many of us. I certainly wasn't. And we were to a certain extent, perhaps, but to truly question, this cannot be true. Because the notion of being raised by parents, mother, father, both, one, either way, the notion of being raised by a parent, you're automatically programmed to what? Follow their direction. In essence, follow their order. Do this. Why? Because I said so. Because I said so is an authoritarian perspective, right? It's a command. And we all, as children, we are taught to believe this. And so the question is, at what point do we decide to wake up? At what point do we decide to stand up? At what point do we decide to actually be in possession of that which we truly believe, the information that we believe has already been filtered through? You know, this is a notion of internal cleansing, right? It's Olympia, like to, to actually go and to begin at the beginning and to truly cleanse everything we have been told to believe, to find out what we truly believe inside, not think, not think, our intuition, our true nature, what we believe in our heart. This is the most important thing. I always like to go back and to think back in time, to think back to the beginning. Imagine if we lived right now, if you and I were in a time where, the, where there was no back in time. Imagine if we were right now at the beginning where there was no book for us to tell us how it used to be. What would we believe? What would we think when we did not have the opportunity to speak stories and traditions from our ancestors? What would we do if we were the ancestor right now? What would you believe? For sure, each person that lives on this earth has a sense and inner guidance of what is right and what is wrong. This goes without saying. The question is, what happens to people where the notion of right and wrong can get swayed so much where they would feel that it's okay, or not just okay, but good, to harm a child, to, to get pleasure from the pain and suffering of others. And the worst kind of pain and suffering of others, the innocent. Clearly, something had to have happened or do you believe perhaps that people just come in like that? Do some people just come into this earth, manifest from pure spirit, merging into the womb inside of their mother, they're born, and they're just evil? This is possible, but it's definitely not. The majority of the time is probably the opposite. Something happens to them. We deal with our trials and tribulations all in a different way. This is for sure. One person could be um, abused as a child, and this becomes the strength that makes them uh, grow up to be the voice 
for the voiceless, you know, to be the spokesperson and to be the hero to the abused children, right? It could be a life work, and it all could be spawned from that person's abuse. Whereas another person could be tormented the rest of their life from being abused as a child, even one time, even one time. What makes a person use something that is a source of pain and suffering and reverse this, right? Flip it inside out to become a source of power. And what is it inside of someone that makes them, makes this, makes this torment them the rest of their life? There is no answer. There is no one answer for this. There's many answers and it's a case by case scenario. And that's also the truth with many things that we will ever think about. From the belief in the origin of man the nature of the soul, the purpose of the individual on this earth and beyond, what happens after you die, where were you before you came here? All of these questions, there is no de definitive answer. And whereas people will tell you they have the answer, it's because they're in positions where they need to say they have the answer. You'll see this a lot with religious organizations. The guru will always have the answer of, any question that is spiritual in nature, even if it's just circle talk. But the reason is, is because they feel the need to give you an answer because it's the fear of not having the answer. When really all people really want to hear is the truth. It's very powerful to tell someone, you know what, I don't know the answer to that and no one can know the answer to that. Let me give you an example. A question that most people have thought at some point in their life, usually when they're a child, at least one time, a question that each and every religious organization and spiritual path that has ever existed has touched on the subject and given us an answer, but that we know for sure no one will ever know the true answer. And that question is, at what point does spirit merge from the ether and enter into the womb to become one with the cell? When does spirit merge with the atom inside of the womb of the mother. Now, every single religion has an answer to this question. Seven and a half weeks, three and a half months. Uh, governments have answers based off of science, and science, of course, has answers based off of theory because we can never actually measure spirit. We have no idea. See, most of the stuff that we see today is not backed by religion as it once was even 100 years ago. Now it's all about what science says. Uh, in my book that I haven't released yet, I have one chapter, it's called Science, the Religion of Modern Man. Because the new religion of the, of the awakened culture, uh, you know, the educated, so-called educated culture in, in the modern society is science. Well, how do you know? Well, science says, you know, 98% of the DNA, science said, was junk DNA. Only 2% of your DNA makes you who you are. They said now 88% of the DNA is junk DNA, and which means 12% of your DNA makes you who you are. But if your DNA has over 10 trillion miles, this is enough to, from where you're sitting right now for your DNA to go, if unraveled, from where you sit right now to the sun and back 61 times. This is amazing. This is amazing. So you mean to tell me that some form of supreme creation created something so vast 
in the form of DNA coding, that 88% of it means nothing? This is hard to believe. It's hard to believe for anyone. That's why it's called theory, because it's not fact. The same way that we have scientific theory is a group of old scientists that get together and find the most plausible solution that they can all agree upon. They put it out into the public, and then we accept it as fact. There's no difference between that which is done today and when religious orders used to do it back in the day. In 323 to 325 AD, over the course of two years, a young emperor, Constantine of Rome, summoned the Council of Nicaea and decided, hey, we need to unify Rome under one, unified, uh, under one religion that, in essence, uh, we will decide is the nationalized religion without saying so many words. Two years, the smartest scholars joined forces. They voted, they, they based themselves off of the ancient wisdom. That, and at the time of Rome in 323 to 325 AD, there was a significant amount of information out there. You have the entire Mesopotamia cultures, which were thousands of years. You have the entire ancient Egypt and what at that time would be modern Egypt. You have 300 plus years after Jesus' death. So you have all of the Coptic Christianity that had been developed in Egypt, all of the early Gnostic writings, all of the Greeks, you have all of the Persian Empire, you have Zoroastrianism and Judaism. You have a lot of things to pull from, not to mention the ancient pagan cults um, of Rome, uh, all the various forms of, of religions, the Saturnus cults, the various forms of planetary worship. A lot of wisdom is, is the point. And they decided to put one unified religion together. Now, this has happened through all religions. All religions have done something of this nature. And the point is, is not because they were trying to find one perfect religion or find the one truth. They were trying to all agree, the handlers of their time were trying to come together and put one collective narrative together to feed to the people. And is that any different from what we're watching today? We watch news, right? We watch news. But today we have not just news and press. We have what we call the media. And, uh, and how do we absorb this information? Well, we watch television, right? We, tell, we watch television. So they're telling us a vision. It doesn't have to necessarily be true. And we flip a channel, right? And then we watch a television program. And so we're watching something. We're watching a program which is giving us the information Right? It's uploading the information into our consciousness. We have the media, which is the number one way that everyone gathers information at the present day. But what does media mean? The word media comes from the Greek language. Uh, media media was, a, was a Greek goddess of illusion and deceit. So you can never trust the media. But yet, we base all of our beliefs and all of our understanding of what's occurring on a day-to-day -day basis um, in our country, in our society, and at large around the world, based off of a media narrative, which is simply programming, right? And then we run around all day and we use those same words and then we wonder what's wrong, you know? How do we cast, how are spells cast, right? You create words through spelling them. Thus, the words that we use are the spells that we cast on our life. If you're a positive person, then you speak positively and positivity keeps coming. Everything is cyclical. 
But if we allow ourselves to get programmed with some sort of disrupt, you know, uh, disruptive and destructive narrative, and then we reinforce that narrative through our words, and then we wonder why the next day we don't feel as good, it's for a reason. A lot of times in life, pain and suffering um, are, are trigger points for us to stand up and change something in our life. Whether it's a, a, the back pain that I had where eventually 15 years later I get a back surgery when the pain became too much, or whether it's a headache, or whether it's waking up every day and dreading going to work. You know, these things are in place for us to make a change in our life. You know, and we need to stop blaming, and, uh, blaming others and take, giving others the credit. It's a very interesting thing to me because we're always um, for or against something at all times. You know, we want to give President Trump all of the credit or give him all of the blame. We want to give Obama all the blame and all the credit. We want to give Bush and so on, so on, so on, so on. This is a very childish thing in my opinion because certain, to give one person all of the blame or all of the credit when you have 50 different independent states and 330 plus million people, one person is not in charge of all of that in any aspect of anything. The same thing goes with uh, the coronavirus and Dr. Fauci. All of a sudden, nobody, nobody had heard the name Dr. Fauci. Now all of a sudden, Dr. Fauci is the end-all, be-all when it comes to the coronavirus, which everyone knows no one knew anything about at the end of the day. This is, this is the funniest part about it. And I'm not saying we should or shouldn't listen to. We should listen to everything. We should listen to everything. But it's detrimental to your consciousness if you listen to things and do not have an inner filter, an inner guidance. If your sixth sense is not something that you can determine the difference between the feeling of the sixth sense and just the egoic thoughts, which are usually based around fear um, and, and doubt, then you need some, there's some personal work and some inner work that you have to do, and, and who doesn't? But what better time than now to begin? What better time than now to stand up? What better time than now to use your voice and declare, where do you stand on anything? We have to pick something, we have to start somewhere. You know, it's interesting thing when you hear people talking about making change in their life. Why is it that when people are eating fattening food, are they talking about dieting? How come it's when people are pretty drunk that they talk about changing their life? People are completely drunk and then talking about stopping drinking. People are on drugs and they say, you know what, I don't want to do drugs anymore. But it's an interesting thing, right? You don't want to get to where you are right now, but you chose to get there to this point and now you don't want to be there so then the question is why it's the definition of insanity doing something over and over again and expecting a different result now you can do something over and over again and get a different result if you change factors and change variables for example you can use the example of thomas edison creating the light bulb and says oh mr edison i heard that you attempted to make the light bulb over ten thousand times and failed what kept you going. He said, I didn't fail. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't attempt 10,000 times and fail. I found 10,000 different ways it didn't work. That is a strong mental perspective. That is a strong place to, to stand within the mind. And so 
the first step to not, you know, the first step to losing weight, for example, is not just talk. And it's certainly not discussing losing weight while we're sharing pizza. This first step to losing weight is by stop getting fat. Once you stop getting fat, then you can start losing weight. The first way to do anything is by stopping the trajectory, right? Is to stop where you are and change the direction. Otherwise, you're just looping around in circles and just using words. And in our society, everyone does the same thing. We're all guilty of it. And so it's easy to find someone else to, um, to agree with you because they're just waiting their turn to say something that, that's detailed in their life that they want to do. Oh, I'm going to do this. And oh, I'm going to do that. Great. Now we both feel good for a moment. You know, great friends, right? But a true friend would be someone who would really sit you down and tell you when something's wrong or tell you when, when you know, uh, t the truth, the honesty, you know? It's hard, it's hard for us to see within ourselves because we are the stars of our own reality show, you know? Oh, it's, this is the way, this is right. Why do you think? Because I thought it, you know? When do we think our thoughts are, are wrong? What percentage of your thoughts do you think are wrong? And what percentage of your thoughts do you think are yours? Because if they're your thoughts, how come you can't control them? You know, they're not your thoughts. They're just observations. Our thoughts are comprised of so many different things, so many different aspects. The subconscious mind is, is, is the overwhelming majority of the memories and the information that we store in our, in our mind. But that's, that's something, that's why it's called subconscious, is, is because it's, it's in the darkness, it's our inner darkness. And so, whereas that energy, that electromagnetic energy that filters within this singular brain stores 80 to 90% unconscious memories or subconscious memories, like sub as in like beneath, um, we are conscious of maybe 10 to 20% of, of everything that we've ever absorbed, not only visually, through the other four senses included, as well as visual, but as well as all of the the energy that we absorb in our atmosphere and environment. You know, when you're an eight-month-old child, you're not observing everything that's around you because you're not familiar with what the people, places, and things are. But you are absorbing it through all of your five senses as well as the sixth sense and as well as your whole energetic body is absorbing this, this information which is called energy. If you are a little baby, you may not know a single thing that's being spoken in the house. But if you're in a house filled with love and positivity, then you are absorbing that energy. If you are filled in a house with yelling, screaming, and alcoholism and abuse, then that's the environment you're picking up. And that information you may never be conscious of. Because maybe your parents split up when you were four and you don't remember any of that, but, you're, but it's inside of you. And that's what's called getting to the root of the problem, right? Going beneath the surface. And we must do this within ourselves, within our mind, within the body, and within the spirit. Okay, that's the connection, is the, is the mind, the body, and the spirit. And once we tap into these forces that we're in control of, then we're going to be able to start seeing things a little clearer. We're going to start, the, the voice of the ego, will, the volume will turn down a little more. That is a result of the sixth sense, the inner guidance turning up. And that goes with your attention going into the inner guidance. And this is the point of a meditative practice, is to be able to notice the difference between hearing a thought in our mind, which you associate with yourself, and with feeling 
feeling the truth within us that we immediately reflect into a thought. And the difference between this is the difference between light and dark. And so many things to talk about, so many different practices, so many different um, prophets, messiahs, messengers, teachers, both of what to do and what not to do, of how to be and how not to be. And everything is a lesson. Uh, there's an old, there's an ancient saying in the, in the shamanic paths, todo es la medicina. Of course, that's Spanish, but it means everything is medicine. Everything is medicine. So anything that, that brings you to a higher state of understanding and awareness is, is medicine, you know? And the same poison that can kill you can heal you. You know, you get bit by a poisonous snake, you could die, but the the anti-venom that's created from the poison of a different snake of the same variants is what saves you as well. And in today's modern society, we need to start paying attention to this. We're watching, um, we're watching madness. We're watching it unfold across, across the board. Um, and it's about time that we all decide um, who we are, what we stand for, where are your morals, where do you stand, where... Pick something that you can plant your feet and regardless of who is in front of you, regardless of their race, age, political affiliation, religion, country, wealth, poverty, regardless of anything, you hold that position to be true in your soul. Find something, then you can stand on it. And when you find something, you can place your feet, then you have created a foundation of which you can stand. And that foundation in which you stand, you must find one thing first and that you would never break, that you would go to the cross uh, to be crucified on that foundation of truth. This is one thing that we all must find. And I'm not saying your life should be dedicated strictly to one thing, but you must start somewhere. You know, they like to say, oh, every journey begins with the first step. That's not true, though. That's the problem, is we think every journey begins with the first step. Because with the first step, we're still one foot in and one foot out. Talking about the diet is a, what, the step one, is one foot in, one foot out, right? Then we order the, the food, right? We order, the, we order the pills or the food or whatever it is. Okay, now we got it. That's still one foot in, one foot out, you know? That second step, that's the most important one. Because when you take the second step, you have moved your entire, you've moved yourself 100% into the direction of the goal. You know, it's like the old story of the general who they land and the general stared over the mountain and noticed an, an unprecedented force, significant more military force than they came with. And he realized we have a problem. And so the only way out of here is not retreat, it's to go forward. And so he burned the ships told everyone, gentlemen, at the time, of course, there was only men in the military, this is an old story, gentlemen, there was only one way off this island, and that's directly over that mountain. As you can see, there are no ships to retreat. And so, if we were to take that approach into life, into even just one aspect of life, will you fail? Of course not. You know, I like to think, I can't, if I think about what have I failed at, that I wanted to do, I can't think of many things. There's been plenty of things that I've really thought I wanted to do and tried really hard, 
and stopped, you know, but it's a conscious decision. Because if you really, really want to do something, then you're never failing because you're still in the process of creating it. You never fail until you quit. When you quit, you have failed, but tread carefully because you have to also determine and at all times check in with yourself to see if the final outcome feels as good today as it may have six months ago when I began the journey. And if the answer is yes, or even more so, then continue. <clears throat> if the answer is yes, or even more so, then continue. If the inner guidance, the answer is, I don't feel that anymore, then don't allow the ego to make you stay in it any longer and waste any more energy. Gracefully bow out, the lessons will be learned, all will be understood, and direct your beautiful energy into the attention and direction of something else that serves you in your highest cause right now. And if we can start taking independent and spiritual responsibility for ourselves as individuals and as a, as a, as a, as a part of the collective, then watch how fast this whole world changes. Watch how fast. But in this modern society of victimization is noble, we're going to see more of what we're witnessing. Everybody's just measuring what degree of a victim they are. And I'm not saying there are not real victims. As you may have seen recently, I'm starting to become very, very um, visual in my social media regarding this pedophilia uh, and the, you know, Pizzagate and the, the powers, which, by the way, I can promise you one thing for sure. Uh, a few of the next episodes have people who, uh, across all races, religions, and creeds, who are also... Um, who I can see clearly are seeing what's really going on. What we're watching and what's actually happening are two different things. When I began my shamanic journey around eight years ago, um, uh, it began with a very powerful medicine. And uh, with this medicine, which is the consciousness or spirit of Mother Nature, right? The Earth spirit is known as Mother Nature, um, which in the language of Shipibo is referred to as ayahuasca. And uh, the, this consciousness showed me like, there's, there's the war against darkness that you can see. There's the war against darkness you can feel. We all can. All the animals and, and creatures of the earth can. But then there is the unseen war against the darkness, which you can only witness through the eyes, the lens of the soul. And this is what is in the fourth dimension of vibration and consciousness in the mental planes creating the densities and the confusion and distortion that we witness right now more than ever in a long time. Certainly in my lifetime, what I'm witnessing, I've never seen before. Now, there's been a lot of times in the history of this world that we've seen what's taking place take place, but not to the degree uh, of what we're witnessing now, not in the vastness of different aspects of categories of, of things, and it's all based around psychology. It's all based around psychology. And what we're witnessing right now is a psychology called Hegelian dialectic in full effect. Um, Hegelian dialectic was created by a German, uh, psych a, a German uh, psychologist known as George Friedrich Willem Hegel. And it means thesis versus antithesis equals synthesis, right? Uh, if you and I were going to go out to lunch and I say, 
Would you like to, you're hungry? You say, yes, of course, perfect. Would you like Chinese or Italian? It doesn't matter which one you choose because it's the illusion of free will that makes you feel comfortable. You're basing your decisions on two options that I gave you, but we all know that there's significantly more options than two when we're talking about places to go eat dinner, you know, but you will immediately go and start making the decision based off the two options that I gave you. It's just the human nature. And Hegelian dialectic is what we're witnessing in its full form right now, clearly for the first time in history, the way it's been developed. Republican, Democrat, CNN, Fox, black, white, um, NFC, AFC, Pepsi or Coke, Uber or Lyft, Facebook or Instagram. It's, just, it's everywhere we go, it's everywhere we, we look, and it's deep, right? It's deep, but both options, both options are ultimately controlled by the same forces that I call the handlers, that are puppet masters, and they're playing us all for fools, and we're just, a, we're just all strings, and, and we're strings on the fingers and spokes on the wheel, and the thing is, is that's not what we really are. That's not what we, re we really are. None of us are slaves. None of us are slaves in any form until we give away our power. The only power these people have is the ones we give them through our fear and through our submission. And we'll get into more of that in the upcoming episodes, but I would like to end on a positive note. I'm very, very grateful that, that you shared this moment with me. Free Thought Unchained. It's going to be um, a place where you're not going to hear, uh, every once in a while I'll have one of these free thought dances you know, by myself, but I have a lot of amazing guests uh, organized of, across all boards. I think you're gonna be very happy to see um, the, the platform, how the platform is going to be used. And at the end of the day, we don't all have to agree on anything, but what we can do is be confident in ourselves and be secure in who we are by understanding what we are, and then we're going to be able to allow others to exist. That's the art of life, and there's an art of awakening. It's the process of awakening. If we look at the process of awakening as an art form, instead of a linear, logical, step one, two, three, chapter one, through, you know, zero, one, two, three, left, right, up, down. Now I'm awake. Certifications. Oh, I have a certification that says I'm awake now. You know, if we get off this linear ones and zeros and understand that everything moves, everything moves in curves, everything is cyclical, everything moves uh, in, in a beautiful art form, and we understand the process of awakening as an art form, and we are able to then look at life as, a, as an art form. Then when we see ourselves and our spiritual awakening as an art, and when we're confident in that, when, you know, when an artist is confident and secure in their artistic creation, they can look at another artist. They can, if you're a painter and you are in the middle of painting your masterpiece, you can go to an art exhibit and watch another person's display of even the same exact genre of art and be truly happy for them because you're secure in your artistic creation. But if you're an artist who doubts yourself and who's not in the middle of your highest creation, then you're gonna go there and what's gonna happen? You're gonna be a hater. 
And that's inside of us too. All of it is inside of us. It's time to start step by step finding our foundation, fi rediscovering what we are, taking a stance within our own life, learning how to connect through the breath, and becoming. So I want to thank you very much um, for this first introduction episode of Free Thought Unchained. More information on the link. Aho. Falling from space, sometimes I feel out of place. Words we can't take back, if I could I would erase. Do whatever it takes to show you I appreciate. Before the angel tells me that it's too late, yeah. High noon, the guns are drawn, it's a battle for love. Stand on the side, observing thoughts that pass us by. When it seems like the end, that's when it all begins. As she opens the door and lets me in, we run borrowed time. Time, the clock keeps ticking, the days keep passing. We can't waste no time. Time, these are the days of our lives when we will fall, just so we can rise, 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 just so we can rise, rise. Cinderella's ball, days with drugs and alcohol, days turn to night, some dreams never see the light. When the last shackle's broken, that's when we'll all be free. And we no longer need to hurt the weak, yeah. Where pain once lived, I've seen the truth destroyed. So it makes me feel stronger, I believe in the joy. Compassion has kicked in, like high tides rise at night. And your love feels like eternal life. We're on borrowed time. Aho. Until the next episode.